Welcome here this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you guys could uh, join us. Um, and we are in the midst of our series entitled Hearing God. And this is the second Sunday in our Hearing God um, series. So if you missed last week, you can go online and, and rewatch that um, sermon by Pastor Anthony kicking off our Hearing God series. And if you're in a life group, you're going through all that stuff, which is really good. And I highly encourage that. Um, it's, it's great. So today we are uh, in week two. And the lesson or the question um, that we're going to be going through this week in our stuff is, why do we need to hear God? Why do we need to hear God's voice? Um, and so rather than me just teach what you guys are going to learn in your life groups a little bit later, I decided to look at this question um, from a little bit different perspective, from a little different angle. Um, but before we get there, let's just take a moment to pray. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are here with us now in this moment. And you are good. God, I pray that your spirit would open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. As I said, we're talking about why you need to hear God's voice. But I want to look at it a little bit differently. I want to ask the question, what happens if you don't hear God's voice? Look at this from a little bit of a different angle. So I've got three points this morning for you. Um, the first one is this. If you don't hear God's voice, you wouldn't be a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ. It says in John 6, that no one comes to him unless he is called. He has called out to you to come to him. That's what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a calling on our lives. We, call it, we say that all the time. It's, you know, my calling. Uh, in John 10, Jesus talks about him being a good shepherd, and we are his sheep. And he says, the sheep hear his voice, and they follow him. And in Romans 8, 28, it says that God works everything out for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. 1 Corinthians 1, says, to those who are called Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So you would not be a believer if he didn't call you. He sought after you. He called out to you. He called you by name. He drew you into the sphere of his love. I like to say it, that he wooed you. He went after you. Um, with a calling comes a hearing and a responding. So what is the message that you have heard, that you have responded to of him calling out to you? Well, it's come to me. I will give you rest. It's the message of Jesus Christ taking the payment for your sin and my sin on the cross. 
If you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and King and as God's Son, you have heard from the Lord. He has called you. Now, I would say that you've probably heard from him more than once, but you've at least heard him once. Second point, if you don't hear God's voice, you will hear the voice of the enemy. If you don't hear God's voice, I can 100% guarantee you, you will hear the voice of our enemy. Because there is no one that he doesn't lie to. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Your enemy prowls around looking for someone to devour. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, it says, He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the accuser of the Christians. It says, Day and night, he accuses the Christians. There is no one he doesn't lie to. There is no one he doesn't accuse and it's interesting, in John 8, Jesus is saying that when he lies, he speaks in his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. If you don't hear God's voice, you will hear the voice of the enemy, and it will be one of lies. And what's the purpose of the lies? Why is he telling you these lies? When John 10, 10, Jesus said that the thief, his enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is what he wants to do in your life. And he does that by telling you lies. And we believe those lies. And they trap us and chain us. Ephesians 6.12. Our struggle and our battle is not against flesh and blood. My battle is not with you. My battle is not even with the people who aren't believers. No. Our battle is against the powers and the principalities and the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Our battle is against lies. You know, Jesus battled the lies of the enemy in his ministry. When he was here on earth as a man, he battled the lies of the enemy in his life. We see it right in the beginning of his ministry. He's led into the desert, and the enemy comes to lie and tempt him. And we also actually see it even through his disciples. He's telling the disciples, he's like, hey, guys, I'm going to have to die to accomplish all the work that God has sent me here to do. So I'm going to die. I'm going to get handed over. And he's telling them what's going to happen. And what does Peter say? No, 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 no. That's not going to happen to you, Lord. How does Jesus respond to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus battled the lies of the enemy. How did he respond to those battles? With truth. We see in Matthew 4.4 when the enemy came, Jesus replied, and he said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father God. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, we are not just physical beings. We are also spiritual beings. 
And just like we need physical food to nourish our physical bodies, we need spiritual food to nourish our spiritual bodies. And that is truth. Some of you may be spiritually starved. We need to know truth to battle the lies of the enemy. I battle the lies of the enemy probably almost every single day. Lies that I'm not good enough. Lies that I'm wasting my life as a pastor, not accomplishing anything. Lies that I haven't done enough to help youth that are hurting. The lie that I have too much sin to be a pastor. Or the lie that God doesn't have time for me. In the name of Jesus, I declare those lies powerless and broken. And I hang on to the truth. I cling to the truth that I am forgiven, that I am God's son, that Jesus Christ paid my debt, and now his righteousness is my covering. That is the truth I hold on to. No, I need to hold on to that and cling to that every day. Because it's a battle. I need to hear the voice of God. I need to experience it. I need to feel it. I need to know his truth. Because it's the truth that sets us free. This is what Jesus said in John 8, 31 to 32. Jesus said to those who had believed in him, if you abide or remain, keep connected, um, keep in step, however you want to define that word, if you remain with my word, you are my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth breaks the power of lies. It's like light and darkness. In the darkness, it's lies and chains but as soon as you bring light to that, they're powerless. It's interesting that Jesus said, John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus. He is the truth that we need. It's always Jesus. It's never going to stop being Jesus as the one we need. I find it interesting when you look at Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about the armor of God. What's the first piece of armor we're told to put on? It's the belt of truth. The first thing we put on, the belt of truth, because it holds everything together. We need that truth to cling tightly to. Jesus is the voice of truth. You need to, the voice of truth to break the power of the lies that the enemy is going to tell you. Some of you, as I was, might be scared to hear God's voice because you don't know what he's going to say. I was, I, I was scared because I didn't know what, what would he say. But I'm reminded that God is good. He is loving. He is kind. He is patient. He is a perfect father. 
Can we, can we understand that? A perfect father. In every way that he acts towards us as a father, he is perfect. Maybe you're scared because there's sin in your life. And you're like, ah, oh, there's this sin in my life. And if I actually heard from God, I don't, I don't know what he would say to me. Do you know what he's going to say? I love you. And I can't stand to see my kids hurting and in pain because that's what sin is. It destroys you. It's lies, it's pain, it's chains, and it's destroying your life. And God says, I don't want to see my kids hurting. He says, give me your sin. Give it to me. Let me put it on my son, Jesus Christ. Come out of the darkness. Walk in light. I have a better way. He wants you to walk in joy and truth and freedom. He only wants what is best for you. But I think the hard part comes is when we think we know what's best for us. Man, we don't know nothing. God is the one who knows what's best for us. And we need to be okay saying, all right, God, my plans, I give them, give them to you. You know what's best for me. You know what I need. You know what I don't need. Some of the most profound and impactful things in my life that God has spoken to me have been how he loves me. And it's been some hard things for me to receive because I'm like, ah, I'm believing lies that, you know, I don't deserve his love. I think probably one of the most impactful times for me was I was preaching on love one Sunday. Um, I mean, you could preach on love for a thousand years and always have material, like, because it is all of who God is and it permeates everything that he does. Um, but I was preaching on love and I asked everybody in the middle of the message just to stop and take a moment and ask God the question, how do you love me? So we took like a minute, I don't know, 30 seconds, whatever. And during that time, I'm standing on stage here and million things are going through my mind of like, okay, is this awkward enough for everybody? How much time? Like, you know, where did I skip something in my notes? Like just all this stuff is just going through my mind. And then we end the service and it's kind of done. And I'm walking out into the atrium and uh, normally on a Sunday morning, I leave home before my kids get up. And so I don't see my kids until usually after, after the service. And so I kind of finish service and walk out in the atrium. And my son, uh, my second son, Keenan, he's over at the kids' side over there. And I'm probably in the middle over here. And I kind of look over there and he sees me. He's like, Daddy! And he just starts booking her. I mean, there's people all over the place. And he's just like giving her through. They're not caring about anything else aside from coming to me. And he comes, jumps up, gives me this huge hug. And it was in that moment that God said, that's how I love you. And I was crying, holding my son in the atrium, just because God would run across in front of other people to give me a hug and to show me his love. And so immediately I start thinking, okay, well, does that line up with scripture? Because we're supposed to test everything. And the spirit brought to mind the prodigal son. This son gets his inheritance from his father, wasted on doing whatever he feels like. Gets to a pretty low point in his life, and he starts saying, okay, I'm going to go home. So he starts going home, and it says, while he was still a long way away, his father was watching for him. 
And when his father sees him, he runs to the son to give him a hug. Not to say, I'm so disappointed in your life choices, son. No. He put a robe on him, gave him a ring, threw a feast. Because what was lost had been found. Because he cares so much about his son not walking in the darkness that when he sees coming out of, his son coming out of the darkness into the light, what can you do but rejoice? It's like, there is freedom coming. I think a lot of us think that God is waiting to beat us over the head when all he wants to do is give us a hug and tell us that he loves us and that he's there. Because that is who God is. Because when we look through the Bible, over and over and over, it talks about how good our God is. Psalm 38, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 107, 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Romans 8, 28. And we know in all things God works them for the good of those who love him. Jesus, when questioned, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Psalm 8411, for the Lord our God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Psalm 1459. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. And 1 John 4, 8, God is love. That is who he is. Man, I was thinking this last week, if I could actually comprehend the goodness of God and believe it in my heart, it would change so many things in my life. Because if I truly believed that he was good and had only the best for me, then I would go to him. Then I would trust his plan. It would, it would ground my faith. It would increase my faith. He would be my first stop and my only stop. If I could really truly believe this. Because he is good and we need to hear his voice. Third point. If you don't hear God's voice, you will never experience everything he has for you in this life. If you don't hear God's voice, you won't experience everything he has for you in this life. You won't experience the fullness of what he has for you in this life. Think of it like this. We talk all the time about how being a Christian is not about be, having a religion, but about having a relationship. You know, we've, we've heard this before. We've, we've talked about it. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. How many of you have ever been in a relationship where you've said nothing to the other person? Now, if you have, that is a bad relationship. Okay, God wants to have the best possible relationship he can have with you. And what does that require? Communication. That's the first thing I talk about in premarital counseling with people. It's like communication is key, all right? 
There has to be open communication both ways in order for this to work well. Same goes with God. He wants to have the best relationship with you, a personal relationship with you, which means it's specific to you and you about what's going on in your life in that moment because he cares about it. The other day I was thinking about the lie that I've really battled a lot is that God doesn't have time for me um, is one thing that I've really had to wrestle with the enemy about. And I, I kind of came to this understanding and I kind of feel like maybe the Holy Spirit was leading me. It was like, I was like, okay, if I don't think God has time for me, what do I think he's doing? Well, I think he's busy with other people. I was like, man, if I don't think God has time for me, my view of God is quite small. If I increase my view of God to the size that he actually is, he's got time for everyone. So really what it was is I just didn't understand. I didn't believe that God was big enough to be able to do that, but he is, and he's even bigger. So I mean, that lie doesn't have much power anymore. You know, God doesn't have time for you. Yeah, he does. He's bigger than you think, right? God wants to have the best relationship he can have with you. And that's two-way communication. So that means on our part, we are open and honest with him about what's going on. Even the hard stuff that you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to say this to God. You know, I'm angry with you, Lord. He can handle it. He's a loving father. As a loving father, I will handle if my kid is angry at me because of a decision I've had to make because I love my kid. So it's both ways. Communication. Another reason you need to hear his voice so to experience the fullness of what he has for you um, is because he has a purpose for you in your life. He has things for you to do here on earth. Ephesians 2.10 says that you and I are God's workmanship. I mean, that's a whole awesome thing right in there. That's like masterpiece kind of idea. We are God's workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not just do good works. So, I mean, we could just leave it there. You know, do good works. Okay, just do random good works. No. The rest of the verse says, God has prepared them in advance for you. So it's like this. Before we were born, there's nothing. God is thinking of us. We are in his mind before creation. And he's like, I want them to do stuff in their life. And I know how I made them. I know the passions I put in them. I know their skills and abilities. So all these things along their life, this is what I want them to do, to share my name and bring my fame. So now we're back here. We're somewhere in our lives walking along. How do we know where God wants us to step in and where are those situations he wants us to walk into if we're not hearing from him? How do we fulfill being Jesus' hands and feet if we're not hearing from him when he says, hey, this person, they want, they need my love. Or I need you to do this to encourage this person. Like, We need to hear his voice to be his hands and feet. And finally, we need to hear his voice so that we can receive the fullness of who God is in our lives. When we're in times of need, when we're in times of distress and hurt, because Jesus said that he's come to give us life and life to the fullest. So I'm going to read a list of who God is to us, what he does for us. 
Um, I want you to think about this in your life as I read this. He is our sustainer. He is our shelter, our hope. He is our father. He is our strength. He is our life. He is our peace, our joy. He is our shepherd, our brother, our friend. He is our sanctifier. He is our fortress. He is our rest. He is our healer and creator. He is our comfort. He is our wisdom and our rock. He is our guide. He is our support and he is our defender. Do you think God can fulfill those roles in our lives if we don't hear from him? If he is the great comforter and counselor, can he truly comfort and counsel us if he doesn't enter into our lives specifically and personally? No, we need to hear his voice so that he can fulfill all of who he is for us. And if that's who we believe God is and what he does in our lives, I mean, and that's just a very small picture of who he is and what he does in our lives. If that's who we believe God really is, don't we want to hear from him? Isn't that the kind of guy you want to have a conversation with? I do. I need to. So in conclusion, we need to hear his voice so that we can battle the lies of the enemy. We need to hear his voice so we can be his hands and his feet. And we need to hear his voice so we can know him fully. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you how your truth destroys lies. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. There's so much to be thankful for. Lord, and we ask that you would speak to us. God, that they would, we would hear your voice. That we would feel your love. That we would know your love. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.